0: Bester, how many Pokemon are there now?
1: Uh, I think not uh, including
2: under various, nine, just like under nine
1: hundred, but like eight ninety, I think something like that. I don't Jeez remember the
2: exact Christ. numbers. Okay, so
1: this do you really think st- an actual
2: human Madness. could wrap them all, or do we need an AI just for that?
1: Uh, well, anyway, you should watch the video. He like goes through <laughs> like the methodology and like figures out like what the problems are with the original poker wrap. How do you like physiologically? sing all of them. How do we make this an actually good rap song as opposed to, as he describes it, the a 1990s educational rap song which is sort of the the Bulbasaur Pikachu, uh, Squirtle, Voltorb kind of thing that they're it's, doing. Yeah, it's got
0: a, a very particular cadence to it. Yeah,
1: it's very much sort of the Fruity Pebbles My name <laughs> is Barney and I'm here to say I'm the dopest rapper in the USA sort of
2: thing. <laughs> Definitely was picturing Barney the dinosaur. Definitely oh. was picturing However, Barney from the Andy Griffith Barney the show. Dinosaur and Barney, the guy from the time of dinosaurs, living together. Mm. Barney Gumble and Barney Fife. Barney Fife, yes. Well, well and four barneys and a who? Who should? What should the other thing be? Four barneys, a babe, and a pizza parlor. <laughs> well, the no. Well, the no we, need add, we need to add a fifth thing that's like some kind of existent. Four barneys and existential angst. How's that for a TV show? <laughs> it's a crossover hit.
3: I got to pitch. It's, uh, yeah, pitch it to Amazon. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Did I just, I, I spaced out there. Was, is there something I'm supposed to pitch now? What? You, what's you going sp- on? You spaced out uh, long enough for,
0: okay. to not so get co creator credit. The,
2: the, real, the real world or the surreal world, or let, let's take what we do in the shadows as an example. But instead of four vampires uh, from four vampire films, it's Barney Fife, Barney Gumbel, uh Barney the dinosaur, and Barney Rubble. Uh, living in a house together with the ever-looming presence of
3: existential dread or angst. Dread? Oh, okay. Angst. I can't pitch this anyway, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Existentialism. Yeah, uh, the, rights are, the rights are too complicated. I mean, the rights are too complicated. Booze? It's way outside of my uh, genre wheelhouse, so it's happiness. fine. It.
2: What? But Patrick. Uh, eter- eternal optimism. Wait a minute. What's, what's, uh, what's uh, Barney Rubble's defining trait? Barney Fife is...
1: He wants he it, Barney he, Rubble he, is the bad wants, boy. He wants fruity pebbles. He wants fruity pebbles. This, this is he the wants, Yes. <laughs>
2: so but it's we've Barney Gumble is lost in sensualism. Barney Gumble is just no wait. is alcoholism a form of sensualism?
4: I don't know. Let's what? say they're different.
2: So uh Barney Rubble is sensualism because he just wants for everyone else is bored with this. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. I'm I not gonna, gonna lie. lie. I'm not paying attention at all. <laughs> maybe maybe we
0: it. should talk about Howard the Duck. Maybe we should talk about that thing where there were four <laughs> ducks is living in the. Alcoholism, yeah.
1: sensualism. Like, like, not one of us knew what the fuck you're talking about,
0: dude. You are, you are, you are ready to go back and finish that dissertation, buddy. Is <laughs> alcoholism sensualism? <laughs> that's that's your paper.
2: Well, I was I was assuming that sensualism is a philosophical answer to existential angst. Uh, so, I think I've got a few steps to cover before I even get to that. I think Howard the
0: Duck is uh, is a philosophical... Also an point. answer
2: to existential d- dread? Yeah,
0: so, I mean,
3: quite literally, yes, it was. So, yeah. we uh, we are
0: picking up where we left off, beginning of chapter 10. Uh, we've now completed Howard the Duck in all oh, its what? glory. Oh. Yeah, they did not uh, sing the song at the end of yeah the that thing. No,
3: <laughs> which uh, that would have
1: be been incredible if like the which last actually is a little surprising. Just printed
0: it the
3: lyrics. Be, yeah, it would just been that like or or if there's been a special speaker installed that when you open the last page it just blares at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a Christmas Again, card. My my
5: assumption yeah.
1: is that uh, Wiener is writing entirely from like the screenplay and the screenplay is like ninety five percent the same as what we see in the movie, but there's definitely some divergences there. I'm going to mm-hmm. guess that probably that song w- had not been written yet at the time. that yeah, he at, was the,
0: at the writing end of the screenplay, it's just like, they yeah. play a song.
2: Yeah. 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 Although when there somebody... are times where I I wanted to try to watch a scene from the movie with, the, with looking at the scene from the book. I didn't yeah. have time to do this. Just yeah. to see how word for word close the actual dialogue was. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like he's mm. clearly including all of the dialogue and commenting on how stupid or mm-hmm. weird it is. sometimes, But you're yeah, definitely a metanaric filling in all the gaps with the r- good and interesting writing that he wants to do. Yeah. yeah
3: what's, it, the, the, what's interesting is that like, there's um, there's kind of a meta commentary to a lot of what he's doing, both in the sense that he actually fleshes out like Howard, Howard actually makes a choice to his choice to blow up and not be able to go home is a mm-hmm. little more like pronounced like he, he it's not really as clear in the film but in the book it's very clear that he is he is making the choice to not be able to go home mm-hmm. in exchange mm-hmm. for saving the people he cares about but at the, and at the same time and so in that it kind of like dramatically sort of fills out with the movie sort of maybe is implying but not directly but it's also sort of meta comments on the silliness of the plot i think my favorite was when they kind of pointed out how completely absurd it is that there is, is so conveniently, an ultralight aircraft right here when they need mm-hmm. it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. No, I flying during daytime. There's yeah, that whole yeah. introductory scene about the same sun mm-hmm. shining on these people mm-hmm. and also on the opposite we're, side of the world. We're
0: agreed that um, Ellis Wiener getting paid for this book was contingent on hitting a certain word counter page limit, right? And I, I, I mean, say that well, not that to is, impugn the his writing because it was brilliant. I mean, I can, yeah, yes. I, I
3: can actually tell you that that is... That is almost certainly true, just because I know a oh, thing yeah. or two about how these contracts tend to be structured. So yes, but, it was almost yeah. certainly had a word count yet hit.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's um, definitely there. You can definitely like so, some of them are quite funny, but there's definitely several scenes here where like he's just like spitting out for like three pages, and it was like you are definitely just playing for time
0: here. The, the cooking scene where he's talking about the different ways to prepare duck and how they yeah,
1: do it at, uh, at Alice Waters' he had, restaurant. Like, a, he has like a three-page long like fever dream where he's imagining like a picaresque adventure that he's taking with Filzy, and then yes. a woman comes between him and Filzy. God, God that, uh-huh. was, no, no, <laughs> that, just, that was that was that was not to... a
0: picaresque fever dream that was yeah. Ellis Wiener's
1: pitch for the Howard the oh, yeah. Duck yeah. Show he yeah, wanted absolutely. to make but like but oh. as uh, but as Patrick says It's like, I think there were some hints of this in the first half of the book, but it's very clear that Ellis Wiener just is getting increasingly frustrated with this illogical screenplay. Yes. And it's just like, yeah, it's really weird that there's a uh, ultralight here. Don't think about it. Yes, this is not how smog inspections work. Just go with it. And that was my favorite. (laughs) Or the part part where he's like, uh, you know, where he... Sort of talks about how a spectroscope does not work this way. Oh, and yeah, that's just, one of the in, finest moments. In the all moment. caps, is, uh, is like, it was true the device is directing a beam of light towards the heavens. Never mind the deeper truth already divined by the alert reader that a real spectroscope sends out nothing but in fact is used for receiving, mm-hmm. for analyzing incoming light, and that therefore let's not shrink from unpleasant <laughs> truth in all caps, the entire story <laughs> yeah, of how yeah, must is- be said to lack a
4: certain credibility.
5: Oh, yeah, that's easily the, that's I, I, like
4: I, for finest line I actually in the novel.
3: loved the part where he pointed out that smog inspections don't work this way because it literally made me go, I hadn't thought about it until that moment, yeah. like, wait, no, no, they do you you do not get randomly smog inspected you yeah can take exactly. it in your garage I,
1: like i think I think we've definitely talked about the fact that spectroscopes don't work this way in our previous discussions of that, and we'd probably talked about the weird contrivance of mm-hmm. the ultralight, but yeah, I had never really considered it either. I think I think part of it might have just been sort of like, well, I don't know what things were like in the 80s. Maybe that oh, yeah, was, was a different th- time. Th- that might yeah. have been a thing. Like smog yeah. was sort of just becoming a hot topic in like the 70s yeah. and 80s. Maybe they were doing that. I don't know. But like just the fact he was like, yeah. this script is so fucking dumb. I don't know why there's a, a, uh, a smog inspection here. And I do not have the time or willingness to change it to something more logical. So just accept it, reader.
2: He, I yeah. uh I I didn't feel any sense of like frustration from him. I felt like that huh. he he had read he was it making and, lemonade. And,
5: well, yeah, I mean that he was fully yeah.
2: embracing the absurdity of this because it yeah, fits thematically with the in- absurd tone that he takes to the oh, entire okay. work. Like that he's he's joyfully like playing around in the the nonsense of the subject to and to discuss the nonsense of what life is huh. and how frustrating, well, which which is very frustrating. frustrating i'm sorry else. sorry dude um uh, i mean, uh, i was gonna sorry. tie it all up very beautifully but uh go ahead with whatever <laughs> it is that you want to say
3: no, no, i'm sorry i didn't <laughs> mean to interrupt you um i was just going to say that that is that would actually very much tie into howard the duck you know as a character in a comic book property he's always been a bit of an absurdist sort of mm-hmm. like oh yeah make fun of the like he he comes from the same howard the duck comes from the same sort of um in in the sort of same genre that deadpool and squirrel girl live in and in fact in many ways uh deadpool and squirrel girl owe their existence to howard the duck he he kind of did that sort of weird absurdist make fun of the whole make fun of the sort of making fun of the whole thing to begin with uh, that that deadpool and squirrel girl would later run with Um, yeah and squirrel
2: girl and howard the duck had a crossover in the current uh, Deadpool, so to Deadpool, not, they, they, all three hard. of them have crossed Everyone over. Everyone crosses
3: um, over with Howard.
0: Howard's a hot commodity again.
3: I, I think they were going after the an Infinity Gauntlet knockoff, which featured <sighs> two jance gems, dance gyms, among yes. other things. Uh,
2: I haven't kept up with Howard the Duck. Is Chip Zdarsky still writing it?
3: Um, I do... Howard, let me see who's, who's writing Howard the Duck now. I think he was, I'm not writing
4: sure. writing it it was writing it for a while. He definitely was writing it for a while. while. Yeah, um...
3: um Who's writing the Howard the Duck comic right now? Is it still going? Um,
2: Howard the Duck will never die.
3: Uh, not as long as we
2: keep having holiday episodes. He's yeah. most most
3: recently he was involved in War of the Realms, where his last name was revealed. His last name is Duxon. Oh,
2: okay. Howard! You're Duxen. talking about Howard the Duck, not Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. Chip yeah. Zdarsky. Uh, oh, he's also, also Duxon is an Gwynpool, anagram who of who is, Zdarsky. <laughs> Crossover
3: um, with Gwynpool, who is also oh, a sort of Is kind of the same in that same sort of like universe. Um, Who's currently writing? I mean, is
2: there any perspective in which Gwenpool is not uh, a version of Deadpool? No, as a matter of fact, that's that's the that's the joke.
3: Yeah, that's the whole gag is that that her name is Gwenpool, and they miss and whoever made her costume misheard her and assumed she was going for a Gwenpool. Okay, so Howard the Duck, uh, the most recent run just wrapped up in twenty in twenty sixteen. And was was it was Chip mm, Okay. Okay, um, uh, but he that 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 wrapped up at the a uh, couple years ago.
0: Um. Okay. So other things, I'm tra- I'm flipping back through the second yeah. half of the book. Things that jumped at me.
1: Uh um, oh, I have a que- I have a question for you. I remember yeah. uh, when we when we did our last recording, we ended like right as Jennings was entering into the equation. Yes. Is it Jenning or Jennings? Uh, Jennings. I think it's Jennings. Um, they yeah. say Jennings. Yeah. One
2: time they say Jenny Je- in yes, the book. Yes, they do. They do say <laughs> Jenny it. once. Is that a typo or do we think that the narrator is casually calling him Jenny? Because it's <laughs> Under- <laughs> unclear and I love that it's unclear. Either could work. I and it is the narrator that does it. I, I yeah. guess well, it's just it. how he's how he's credited for the dialogue line. It's not like Said within Jenny. a line.
1: I'm going to I'll assume that it probably is a typo, but the fact that it yeah. could be the narrator, like um, <laughs> Anyway, so one question I had when we were starting uh when we left off last time is I was wondering sort of how the novel would handle um Howard and Beverly's sort of weird uh inability to understand that something is amiss with uh with Jenning in the in the movie. Yeah. Like yes. he's constantly talking about yes. how he's He's, you know, being possessed and he's dying and all this sort of stuff. And they're just like, get a load of this guy. And I was just wondering,
2: how did we feel about the way that the novel handled it? That was exactly Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I said that it felt like he was just taking the dialogue from the screenplay, plugging it in and then trying to write around it uh, with all the interesting and, you know, whatever his perspective was. Because it feels like it's so clearly like a sight gag and on the page. It reads like the ramble, like the interaction of crazy people, uh, yeah. which it does yeah. on the screen too.
4: And yeah, I but, but, I, but I will because, say again, I I, that, that, oh, so. I, I,
0: al- I also feel like it, as I read it, though, I was more accepting of it because it. This mm-hmm. is a strange thing to say. The pace and momentum of the action that was happening felt more natural on the page than it did on the screen like i got more of a sense of oh they're all in a panic and trying to get somewhere and they don't have until they're in the restaurant the moment to actually sit back and reckon with what they're talking about
3: i I actually i I, I I I have to agree with stefan too like i will say that the i think the book suffers in the same way we've talked that the movie suffers that like when the plot gets introduced, the the kind of the movie starts to slow down and i think the book is similar, but handles it a little bit better. I think we it makes fun of itself a little bit better. It kind of ties it into Howard's personal journey a little bit better. Um, but also just sort of like, I think, smooths it along better. It kind of makes it clear that like, as Stefan said, you know, they're, they're freaking the fuck out and they're like being chased by armed police. Mm-hmm. So they're just sort of on some level of like, whatever the fuck he's talking about, this is a problem that we will deal with Later. Yes. <laughs> Not right now. And and I think that kind of helps bridge I don't know why. You normally what's funny is that normally that's something that is easier to convey in film, yeah. right? Like it's very easy yeah. to convey in visually and via an actor's performance that they're panicking and freaking out and just sort of like pushing it to the side and don't want to think about it right now.
2: Yeah, yeah because um, you can maintain the pace of two different sets of perspectives mm-hmm. by mm-hmm establishing the energy that an actor is spewing and have another actor spewing other energy that's clearly not interlacing so that the the first person takes a while to like Mm -hmm. actually notice that they're out of sync with something else that's happening whereas Mm -hmm. on the page you're the one that's uh, reading what's happening so you see the clash of the the tones of the information I guess is that,
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. am I
2: explaining that in a way that makes sense?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I kind of read it a little bit differently. I it to me it read more like they were being sarcastic in a lot of uh, what was going on here and like it just wasn't like <laughs> because there's yeah. a moment there's a moment uh once they get into the uh cafe uh where he's like first sort of, you know, info dumping uh the dark overlords of the universe tonight Jennings said leaning forward through your laser beam struck the nexus of Somnus beverly frowned i thought that was a sleeping pill it is not a sleeping pill <laughs> Jennings said. <laughs> apparently possession by the alien entity had impaired his normally lively sense of irony so i th- <laughs> there were some of those some of those sort of like get a load of this guy lines uh mm-hmm. from beverly and howard earlier kind of read to me more as them sort of being snarky and sort of you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh uh rosencrantz and gildensterningly uh sort of commenting on things I, and it doesn't and it like it doesn't play with Jenning. Uh, which I, I d- doesn't really support like what we see in the movie because like certainly in the movie it just seems like they're hopelessly clueless about what's going on.
3: I mean the, uh, one thing I will point out is that the 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 book because they have this whole like kind of hilarious digression about Somnus mm-hmm. um, as like a neighborhood yeah. and kind of the idea that like Oh the, yeah I love dark, that. The Darker World to the read read
5: are like aloud. less dude wants to read oh, it. Out you, out? I'm sorry,
3: would you like to read it out loud first?
5: uh
2: yeah I, I want you to finish your thought though because i don't want to interrupt your flow
3: oh thank you um and then it's they also continue kind, <laughs> they kind of continue it by kind of like pausing them like less as like cthulhu and more just sort of like an obnoxious street bike street gang that yeah, kind of th- like
1: th- that line about street gangs is fantastic yeah uh, i love that yeah. so
3: much and, and it kind of yeah. like helps take take the mickey a bit out of the the, the dark overlord as a role because it, it kind of it reframes the Dark Overlord tonally, because before when he's like super Cthulhu, he feels really out of tone with Howard the Duck. But once once when you kind of like get the context that he he's pretending to be Cthulhu, but he's actually kind of just a space punk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's like it's something the Nova Core couldn't even be bothered to deal with, yeah. Kind of thing. You know, then it makes sense. Like still a threat still a threat, but like, you know, again, like I said, the Nova Core just couldn't be buggered to, like, deal with them, so they're just like, eh, throw them in, throw them in that weird, like, interdimensional, five-dimensional, like, neighborhood and call it a day. Put them on a bus (laughs) to Florida. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. yeah.
1: Throw them into the planned community.
3: Yeah, and we can't be buggered to deal with them.
0: Yeah. Dude, you want to, you want to read this aloud?
2: Uh, yes, although I could wait until afterwards if we want to, uh, put it as a separate thing, because I... As I was reading it, the, the cadence came to me perfectly. I felt. Uh, I, th- I think you should uh, just do I, it I, now. I would else. also happily do it. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Also, wait. W- w- one note just before we start, uh, dear listener, I would just like to point out, dude is wearing a cape right now. Dude, <laughs> he did you, want you to cape is.
2: Spiel First, uh, you sold me uh, on it. Okay. Well, I have found recently, after purchasing a cape at the Halloween store for fifty percent <laughs> off the day after <laughs> Halloween, that. It is a surprisingly practical piece of houseware because mm. it's light enough that you, it's almost impossible to overheat in it, mm. but heavy enough that it'll keep the draft off. So it's like wearing a shawl or something, but you can flip it out of the way. Uh, it, it I find it's very good for moderating temperature and shockingly practical in every sense except assisting you in looking like a normal person.
3: Sasha <laughs> Hayes Roostock would be very proud of you right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the
2: dude was right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think I, it might I don't just have a it... giant floppy hat. But yes, yeah. I think I think you could pull it
1: off if you weren't wearing a uh, a logo tee right now. Like if you weren't wearing a green Christmas t- Yoda T shirt right now. Like if you were wearing like you know like a a collared shirt, I think like you know. There's there's ways you could be dressing really to, to fit yeah. the uh, the cape aesthetic. Your hair there, and yes. your beard are really really oh, working yeah. for yeah. the cape. Yeah, you've got uh, a you know? you've got a great sort of Byronic look to the top of your head and your shoulder <laughs> area, and then it's a Yoda t-shirt. <laughs>
3: Oh, Basically, yeah. well, this could yeah. be fixed with a white button-up. Like we could, th- we yeah. could, get, could put you in a white button-up, unbutton the top two it's buttons. Yeah, it's we're good. Like, cape. Make sure it,
1: it needs to be really flouncy and sort of like you know billowy. We don't want you know. We want we want a pirate okay. shirt here.
2: Beauty, elegance, refinement. The cape. <laughs> uh, so. uh, if you've ever heard the viral or if you have ever seen the viral video about the Winnebago man, the angriest man in the world, uh, where he's doing a, uh, an infomercial for Winnebago's and he just keeps losing his mind and forgetting the dialogue and swearing uncontrollably, then, uh, well, you should pause this. And Don't go explain the joke. After this, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I will, I that, will go look exactly that up afterwards the... because I have no okay. idea what you're talking about. I will not. Coverage in depth. Insert four. You. Nexus of Salmonus, condominium dwellings for today's life-form style. Beauty, elegance, refinement, luxury, temperatures guaranteed to exceed 36 million degrees C, and the not inconsiderable advantage of knowing that you have invested your affluence in a home field force structure unique in all three ext- extant universes, and that its value is secure. We commend to your ideational processing the condominium home field force structures of the Nexus of Salmonus. The only fully planned demon and quasi material living development in the known grid. Scrupulously designed to the smallest gluonic link, yet bold in vision and breathtaking in its macro aspect, the Nexus of Somnus is located some 45 degrees transverse, tw- 24 degrees magnetic, 31 degrees absolute to the cosmically renowned Pulsar of a Thousand Oaks, near parsecs from exciting, throbbing, Im- imploding Nether Zone Mall and Shopping Abyss. Convenient to all major trans material generation units. Nexus of Somnus offers the best of both worlds, binary self-other energy exchange and private precious personal moment maximization. Enter and behold an unparalleled universe of elegance where the mind-body problem is, quite simply, no problem. This, indeed, is your place within the sun, where to be or not to be is literally beside the point. Topologically unique access zone coded to your private decay rate, assure absolute security for yourself, and your beloved physical manifestations. Award-winning materialization experts have provided a host of semi-real environment simulacra that give new meaning to the word visible. Moreover, each unit is utterly unique, both in spatial layout and temporal duration. Graviton power assures that each floor, regardless of external phenomena, will remain a floor. Every subsector is accessible to one or more wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum, standard of all impression transmissions since one ten billionth of a second after the Big Bang itself. Cable-ready leisure field? Of course! Antimatter nourishment poles? Standard. Tile bathrooms? Naturally. And your neighbors? A cosmological hold on, blend Hold on, of... hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. Naturally in quotes.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some like very funny quotes here that sort of get lost in the, uh, in, in the reading. But, yeah. but go on. Yes. And your neighbors? A cosmological blend of demons, pseudos, quasimorphs, and enerjoids, All of whom share with you the highest standards for dwelling stasis and thought-form transmissibility. Yet the nexus of Sominus is more than just another randomly fluctuating gauge field of localized condominium events. You will find, within its magnetic boundaries, a complete self-sustaining eco-matrix. A fully accredited continuum-authorized educational loop provides complete schooling for nascent forms, from inchoate to pre-stable to grades K through 445. Step-up transformer centers, reserved for the exclusive use of nexus residents, of course, offer the ultimate inconvenience for those who, possessing bodies... Desire to exercise them. Solar windsurfing, three Olympus-sized swarming pools, indoor, outdoor, and co co-existent with door, and a professionally designed 18 black hole championship golf course, a test to the level of luxury that has made the nexus of Somnus the first choice among today's most discerning, whether for principal residence or s- s- pseudo-bienzaterre? pseudo that many of the most prestigious concerns from the Fortune Five Trillion have selected the Nexus of Sominus as the site of their disCorporate headquarters merely provides additional luster to its already glittering list of residents. May we add your thought frequency? May we add your thought frequency as well? Note: This does not constitute an offer of sale, nor does this sentence constitute a disclaimer. The Nexus of Sominus does exist. Does not exist, nor is the preceding clause a true statement. Complete offering terms of are available in a prospectus via Guild Monitor Thought Link with the sponsor. Contact on a minimum of three standard wavelengths. The Nexus of Somnus Partnership, one, the Singularity, Center of Maximum Entropy, Edge of Unimaginable Chaos, one, one, two, one, five.
1: I have to say that uh, enter and behold an unparalleled universe of elegance where the mind body problem is quite simply no problem <laughs> is, my, is my favorite line of the entire book. <laughs> it's unbelievable it's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. No.
3: I, it's it's well it's funny but it also I think like I said it actually helps kind of smooth the plot over because it again it kind of it makes it, it makes you take the it without making them less dangerous it makes you take the dark overlords of the universe a little less seriously.
5: Oh yeah. And absolutely. I think
3: that, I think that helps kind of shift them tonally into it a little bit easier. Like they don't feel like so out of left field. Yeah. Time. Well,
4: I feel that's one of the things he
2: does skillfully with the introduction of any new character is that he he inserts these like background and informational sections from their life mm, so that they're not just a random person appearing on screen in this bizarrely constructed screenplay.
5: Or even if it it, it, is a
0: random person appearing on screen, case in point, Jeff Grossbach, um, he provides enough context (laughs) to both pad out the book and also give some context to what's happening around.
1: Yeah, and yeah, like that is coverage in depth. Insert was that four? I think. Uh, uh, number one was I just I'm just going back through and remembering what all the these inserts. Number were. one was the comparison number one is between the, chair. the, in
3: the chairs. Yes, the
1: chairs. Number two is that like fashion uh, profile of filthy. Which is still incredible. I don't. uh, Does anyone remember what number three is? Was that the Aradine? It's the the
0: Aerodyne corporate history. Oh right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is like
1: four four or five pages of this weird, just sort of like, (laughs) like let's think about the name of this company that is like a a very minor plot point uh, in this uh, in this screenplay. Uh, That's number four. I think there's at least one more in the section we read.
0: There's Uh, uh, the pop psychological profile of Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. A neutron Disintegrator. Out. Neutron well. Disintegrator. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, want to take
5: yeah.
1: the big one. You, you, you take these out, you take out the sort of various little sort of fever dreams and whatnot uh, here. This thing comes, you know, 30 pages under whatever it was, the no doubt 200 page uh, minimum that uh, Wiener had in his contract.
0: I, I wanna I wanna go through the pop psychological profile of Howard the Duck real quick, and I'm not gonna read through um, full passages. I'm just gonna scan these pages and read every duck pun that I see okay. in
1: here. All right, uh, <laughs> but before you do that, an earlier duck pun uh, when uh, when they're just getting in the car with uh, Jenning and he's like listing off like the the some sort of threat is coming down. And uh, Howard assumes that it must
2: be William William F. Duckley. William F. Duckley Jr.
3: Duckley Jr. is a great one.
1: Amazing.
2: Yes. Anyway, all right. So there's also at one point where they go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say one of my one of my favorite ones is uh, they just say Duck World War Two. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I love that. Which we've established that the name of the planet is Duck World, so like it yes. kind of works as a, a joke, but like it's also like the laziest pod ever. I just kind of love it. Yep. there's an World episode
2: of, of? Uh, there's an episode of Gravity Falls where there's a time traveler and everything that he says so he he just puts time before and <laughs> oh, like, fine, he, like barks his knee his shin on or his knee on something and he just says, "Ow, my time
4: knee." <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I'm I'm just going to read through this. I have not. Uh, I have not
0: prepared this bit, so we'll just see how many puns I see. Um, what pages is this on? Just so I can, we can like. Oh, well, in, and... in my edition, it's one hundred and seventy-five. Uh, coverage okay. in depth. Insert five. Pop
2: psychological profile. Of we clearly have a very different pagination. Yes. It's no, same. One. Yes. Oh, it's one seventy-five
0: on them. Um, okay. United Drakes Duck World War Two Quack and Ducker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Duckling for Black, hoods. for Black and Decker, which might not be obvious well, it says
2: power tool industry, but still, yes, you're right. But, like, <laughs>
1: like the, the listener, the listener maybe has not read mm-hmm.
0: this. Uh, inner city duckling hoods. Um,
4: let's see.
0: Uh, the fountain
4: hen. That was uh, howard <laughs> stork. Uh huh. Uh, that was good. Let's see. Uh Hatcher in the Rye. That one was a good one. Sure Hatcher uh, in the Rye.
0: Doctor No. Doctor No, yes. James, James Pond. Uh Thunderbill. Mm-hmm. United Drakes again. Uh The University is inherently gullshit <laughs>
2: Yeah, gull shit was I was my only note from this chapter. Yep. Or from oh this yeah, page? You're about to hit a bunch of them.
0: Yep. Hatch 22. Bird of the rings. <laughs> That was the beak that was. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> uh, let's see, Howard Stork. Did you say Thunderbill? I said Thunderbill. Thunder okay, sorry. Thank you. Uh, well, you haven't hit
3: my favorite pun yet.
0: Oh, God. Which one is your favorite pun? I might be overlooking it.
3: I, 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 I don't remember <clears> if it's in that section, but I remember texting you guys. That it, was very, it was going to be very obvious which one yeah. was my favorite less because know, it was like especially it? great, but because it's just unique. It wasn't accurate duck time, was it? No, hang on. I'll is just it? let me just Is it. Is it American
4: art? art Oh yes, uh, the Goosebusters,
1: Goosebusters. Which is yeah. which yeah, included uh, which yes. is not in this yes. section. But also was the uh was where where Ostcom, a sensible comedy, yes, comes that's from. It. from. Yeah. Which also raises questions about does it does this mean that uh, Wiener didn't like Ghostbusters? Like it's a it's an interesting slam on Ghostbusters. True.
3: It was kind of weird. I was sort of like okay, are you annoyed that you didn't get invited to that particular party? What
2: was going on there? So I have not encountered the, the term ostensible comedy before. Is there anything other to it than the literal definition. As no, far as, it's far it's, as it's, I know, this is the
0: first and potentially only uh, use of that word, but I fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't mean, know it
3: I had think, like, a place. I will definitely issue. be using it in the future, even though I think his use of it to describe Ghostbusters is completely inaccurate.
1: No, yes. But, well, I, th- but I, think, I, uh, I think it does describe, like, there definitely are a lot of comedies that are of sensible comedies, So like, I think it is an yeah, useful
2: term. I, uh, which, which page was that on? Do we know? Because I, uh, I, uh, I felt no like... Idea.
4: It made sense read,
2: at the time from another perspective than... I can't remember. I'd, I'd have I, I
3: legitimately thought we were going to do this over the holiday break, so I read this like weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I... Well,
2: uh, I, oh, I, I found it... Um, two-thirds of a bottle of black raspberry wine. So. Potentially
3: expired black okay. raspberry wine. In,
2: uh, in, <laughs> in my edition... It can't is be expired if there's no date on the bottle. <laughs> All right, it's That's it's What it's date like is half, B19? I, what is that? I found... found. I,
1: I found the goddamn quote if you want to look at it Jesus okay what, what uh all right well, I have a different I have different page number. It's chapter eleven, like four pages in for me, halfway oh, down, morally bankrupt uh Jenny spoke, Jennings spoke, or rather it
2: spoke is the beginning of the paragraph, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. where the paragraph was on the yeah. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah the, uh, are you a god scene
0: 11? of the ostcom ostensible comedy film Goosebusters.
4: Oh, yes. Release uh, the bird. Yes. Uh, what had begun for them
0: as a routine evening's cheeseburger deluxe had become a confrontation with
2: ultimate evil.
5: <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs>
2: uh, Jenny spoke, or rather, it spoke, its voice, eerie mechanical. So we've weighed it's in
0: on the film character. Howard the Duck multiple times in multiple episodes of this podcast. Yes. Um, yes. As a film that is not particularly great, but interesting, and which we would watch again before Thor The Dark World or several other films that we've watched. Yep. Are we in agreement that this is a legitimately good book? Yes, good. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: I feel like I want to take our holiday episode and stop making it about Howard the Duck the film and make it about Howard the Duck the novel. I'm a little so worried are we, are we, that we have so run out we of... Talked
1: last- we talked last time about how Patrick uh, DMing a Powered the Duck RPG.
3: Yeah, we have a year, right we now. have a year to create this RPG. Yeah, wait. I can I can I think I have enough time. I, to think, that. I also we you know powered really
1: by the apocalypse
3: the system, system. I think you
1: know, powered it's, by the apocalypse. We could we could tackle. Wait,
3: <laughs> wait what did you say?
1: <laughs> powered by the apocalypse is the name of a uh, oh. a role playing system. There's absolutely we're the doing now.
3: Apocalypse. We are now. Do- we're going to use Monster of the Week. Yeah, and we're going to do Howard by the Apocalypse. I. This this has been decided. Patrick, you like
0: whenever it. you're whenever you're ready, you let us know, and, and we will be there. the The yeah. alternative option for us uh, next year is to play the Howard the Duck ZX Spectrum slash Commodore 64.
2: I mean, we're game. totally
3: going to do both. eventually. I own
2: the Howard the Duck. Theme song on vinyl.
5: Mm, uh, I, I do that 15 helps times. us at all.
2: Yeah, but uh, I think it would be interesting to to do like a, a music theory breakdown of the song Howard the Duck. Mm. <laughs>
4: all right, uh,
2: probably just, not as its own holiday. Episode. But we to, we, we to are we agreed agree that next the year though next agree. next year
0: though we Can are playing really Howard by the Apocalypse. That that I'm is think, yes yeah, next year's Howard. That's
5: about, that's all right, Patrick, you got a job.
1: All right. Uh, just you just to point out another thing, I just noticed, and I think this might support my idea that uh, that uh, Wiener maybe didn't like Ghostbusters so much. At the very beginning of chapter twelve, there's this really weird uh, part where Beverly is just sort of like. Uh, oh yeah she and,
3: gets really uh, weird on Sigourney Weaver
1: yeah, yeah like she's doing this weird sort of uh, oh. free associating on odd celebrity names and there's a which lot is of it very not... much
0: a let's pad the word count of this yeah. book
1: section I, yeah and again Sigourney Weaver is specifically uh, uh, what kind of name is Sigourney it. yeah but there's this whole thing about like Diane Keaton having the same name as Buster Keaton and Catherine mm-hmm. and Audrey Hepburn having the same name
4: I just like, did not it's know it's such until... an odd I think it was within the last
2: five, maybe ten years that I found out that Catherine and Audrey Hepburn Hepburn are not related. (laughs) I have always assumed that they were mother and daughter, I think. Nope. (laughs) No! No. Until recently in my life. But also, Ah, I'm sure this has come up on a previous podcast, I thought that Randy and Paul Newman were related. It's possible (laughs) that I learned that they were not on this podcast.
0: Possible they're also the same guy. Ever consider that?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I Sigourney
3: Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis are very good friends.
2: Good, I learned did something today. Did you know today. that Tommy Lee Jones and Al Gore were college roommates? I did I know, didn't that. know that. <laughs> Probably Did me, you know? I feel like that's the thing did I you get. know
3: that Kevin Conroy was college roommates with Rob with Robin Williams?
2: I th-
0: uh, I thought he was roommates with Christopher Reeve.
3: Um, they were Juilliard classmates. I think they were all. I they, mean, were all we, they were have, all Juilliard. You
1: can have multiple roommates. roommates.
3: That's true. Nope. Yeah, he was. He roommate. Uh, okay, here we go. Kevin Conroy, while he was at Juilliard, was a roommate with Robin Williams. They were both in the same. They were in the same group uh, with Kelsey Grammer.
2: Jesus, yes. did you know that? Did you know that Barney Rubble and Barney Barney Gumble used to live together? <laughs> Tell us more. I think it would go a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. do do do
1: I mean, I have, do, I have do, do, this do, question we're for Barneys. Barney.
2: Barney, <laughs>
4: where's my fruity pebbles? <laughs>
2: I mean, I but think instead the of the question, great gazoo up over his head, it's just a a, a like some drawing of existential angst. <laughs> what does existential angst look like? Uh it kind of looks a lot like the great gazoo, but very concerned.
0: <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling, dum right. dum? <laughs> right. Uh
2: I, I have a I have a like an editing
1: question, like book editing question, like as good. We we're all about...
4: experts. Yeah, no, no. I, well, just I'm not that I, kind of writer, guys.
1: No, 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 no. But just like in terms of like my edition versus your edition, because mm, uh, yes. we talked about last time um, that you have the British edition. I have the British edition. Uh, so does Derek. Uh, there's definitely some changes here. Like bigger is spelled with a U here. But I'm just curious. There's a there's like a missing start of a paragraph for me on one page. I was just curious if that was what true chapter? in your edition. It's at the very end. It's the very end of chapter eleven. Uh where where he's being cooked. Uh he's you know doing uh, again some of his weird free association. Read where it starts. Had he had he gone through life with his mental legs untrust, he'd have grown up a juicier bird. That's the end of a paragraph. Then the next paragraph starts no capital, no uh no uh indent, no like complete sentence. It just says a flash at the same time. He glimpsed the maniacal phase of Jennings at the big Almost horizontal steering wheel in the car. You said it's near the end.
2: Uh, and near the, the end, the the end the last of chapter. The previous paragraph is bird. Juicy or bird. Near
1: the end. Or juicer bird. bird. It's actually misspelled. It says juicer
2: bird. So we may not Experience have it at the end of these a chapter. essentially
0: useless if only regrets in a flash at the same time.
4: Okay, so you the do have. came in a flash of insight. He juicer? experienced no, these different.
0: essentially useless if only regrets in a flash. At the same time, he glimpsed them okay. in the... that, okay. a was journey. That's you, a complete... Okay, so I do not... 7. 47, okay, so, 147. Okay.
1: okay. So yeah, I, that's 129 for me. Yeah, so I don't have the beginning of that paragraph. It just oh, starts a yeah. flash. So I was curious about that. Wow.
0: Oh, yeah, so Someone you missed about was one was not
1: line. closely editing certain
0: versions of this yeah. book. Yeah.
1: Well, again, it's, it's possible it's almost the like... British version might be more, uh, more poorly edited. I think, uh, I think Derek and I noted a couple of uh, typos last time that weren't... Uh, that can, maybe weren't there uh, for can, you.
2: Have you ever, have you guys ever seen someone who does something as a joke, and then they're going to change it before the final version because the actual quality version that they've produced as a joke that has a commentary on real life would never be submitted to their bosses or the people who are responsible for the future of their job. Uh, <laughs> no, I've never experienced I, this. Just, you know what I'm talking. Obviously, uh, I I knew someone who who so had some a relative ver- who was making a PowerPoint in. I think he was, he was either in the army or the Marines and he, it was about how a certain uh, project was going in the middle East during like the Iraq or the Afghanistan conflict. And that he had included as a joke, a slide of some explosion and it just said winning hearts and minds. And then he was (laughs) intending to remove it before the final presentation to the higher ups. Oh no. And he somehow failed to do that. Then he spent six months in the brig. This entire novel is almost that slide. Like, he made the whole thing as a joke, and then no one looked at it, and though it was published, and became what must surely be one of the best novelizations of any film ever.
5: (laughs) Uh, At what
0: point did... this, This is actually a question that I'd be curious to know an actual answer to, so I don't know why I'm asking us. At what point did the people involved with Howard the Duck give up on the idea of Howard the Duck as a commercial, uh, successful commercial enterprise?
2: I mean, I think George Lucas is working on a version where Howard is actually replaced with a cat uh, mm-hmm. called M- M- Meoward the Duck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's my original vision. He wasn't a duck; he was a cat. <laughs> but he had the essence of a duck. Actually, a
2: cat using a lightsaber what? instead of a it's cigar. Th- it's, three it's
0: three cats Meowered inside a duck, duck suit.
2: McClunky to be fair I was not actually trying to do an impression of George Lucas I don't think I can even call up George Lucas's voice right now no, that was I was really actually be able to do that that
1: actually was fairly close that is kind of what he <laughs> sounds like
2: okay yeah, maybe I was trying good. to do it and two thirds of a bottle of black raspberry wine have uh, uh, loosened Yeah. No.
1: It, like i had i had not gone that doesn't sound anything like george lucas i was like that is a service sort of- hey george it's me it's person. george
2: lucas i directed I the stars lucas war. definitely <laughs> listens to our podcast and yeah, i do not want listener. him to feel insulted george call us I
0: mean, we, we've God. got some ideas about the the next I mean, uh... in this
3: case my career will be fine george lucas isn't making anything anymore so you know whatever that's what <laughs> okay. you think
2: I have like seven things I could say about this, but what I'm going to say is something that's actually related to the book. So,
3: uh, <laughs> everyone the, knows I'm joking. <laughs> Go on.
2: Uh, there, the Poe's Law, someone out there does not know that you're joking. I know. Someone will I not am figure joking, it out. Listeners. They will take it literally. Uh, I, so for before the last podcast, I had to speed read through like the last third of what we were supposed to read. And so for. For this one, I went back and reread a lot of the stuff that I had not read carefully, like earlier this week or something. And I, I, I was reading it, and it it wasn't like the experience of watching the movie. It wasn't like the experience of what I'd had reading earlier in the book. I actually felt like I got it. Like I got that. I, you know, every movie wants you to identify with the protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. But I had never done that with Howard the Duck because he's very off putting and also a duck from another planet. But then when reading this novel, all of the exist, you know, like all the stuff that, like the background stuff that goes on and like Howard's feeling of like not knowing his place in life, I was just like, oh, he very clearly is just the everyman. I just had not bothered to think about it because I didn't give a shit. But now (laughs) reading this novel, I really feel it and it, it really hit me and I was like, man, this. That's what a, that's what the novel is. What any anyone could hope that some someone interpreting their own work could do. I mean, you obviously hope that you're going to create the best yeah. version of your own work. And no one is hoping, boy, when I make this fucking movie that I'm like giving up whatever the fuck it is people think I should be doing to go do instead. And then people think I'm crazy because I'm George Lucas and I made Howard the Duck. No one is thinking, God, I hope somebody makes a novelization of this that is somehow better than the movie I'm making. But like at the same time, you also, when you make art, you want other you want it to inspire other people to make art, right? And mm-hmm. it inspired this guy to make some fucking art that made me feel something. And I was yeah. a little surprised and also realized, this is this is George Lucas. He's absolutely doing like a Joseph Campbell like monomyth story about the epic hero, like called to adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And like Howard is pulled out of his lazy chair, Well, his lazy chair is pulled out of his life. But also, generationally,
1: like it's also you know,
4: mm-hmm.
2: like I, yeah.
1: you know, we talked about like that whole digression about like boomer pop culture, and like there's mm-hmm. definitely stuff in the first part that's very clearly sort of putting him in like a very specific like American
2: 1950s, mm-hmm. 1960s, 1970s, yeah,
1: boomer milieu. What happened to and, me? I sold like, out. I used to a line believe in, here in about things. How it was
2: okay to be ambitious again?
1: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so obviously, you know, in terms of, like, great world-building science fiction is, like, this is kind of, you know, Duck World War II is, you know, kind of <laughs> not not the most My ambitious time. thing. But, but like, it does make, you know, Howard, if not relatable, at least, like, fit a very sort of identifiable sort of character arc, a very sort of identifiable trope of a certain type of, you know, disaffected yeah.
2: form and, I mean, I- I gotta I gotta ask a question. Now, yeah, we, I wouldn't say that whatever. I identify with him now in my life, but I yeah. certainly have and did it many times. Oh yeah. Times. Well, yeah. As so. as mm-hmm.
0: I as I read it, I there there were oh, oh. I, I can imagine two things. One second, I need to plug in my uh, computer, I'll be right back. Ooh. Um so a, as I read this, there there was a moment where I did actually stop and reflect on to what degree I see myself in Howard the Duck. And mm-hmm. I'm not joking about that. And then I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if 20, 30 years from now, as a capper to my serious career, when I'm being interviewed and asked, like, what was a turning point for you in life? And I mention, well, I read the novelization of Howard the Duck, and it calls <laughs> self reflection. <laughs> and then i am
2: immediately disinvited from all speaking engagements okay so i'm gonna give okay. you some advice oh, that i gave we'll to a child my, during christmas by oscar or emmy
3: i will have to reference the howard the duck novel i'm making this promise to you all right please now please do
2: so what during christmas tree season there was a a, a customer <laughs> whose one of the kids oh, had like mm-hmm. worked on a christmas tree farm and uh I'm I, back. At, at, at some point, he said, uh, "Oh, you know, I, mis- I basically just like figure stuff out as I was go- as I go along." And I said, "Most people just figure shit out as they go along, but it sounds better if you say self-taught." And I would say to you, Stefan, mm-hmm. don't reference Howard the Duck, the novelization of the film Howard the Duck, by name. Say that you read the good book.
5: <laughs> <laughs> for a good
2: book. I read a good book and it changed my life. Right. a good book. I read That's a too good definitive. book if you know what I mean. Yes. Wink. Yeah. I read a good book and it kind of changed my life. That's because nuts. everyone has read a good book that changed their life or at least everyone who has read a good book, right? Oh, I like that everyone
1: has it, you know. Have you heard the good news about <laughs> Duck World War Two? So that—that's the other
0: thing I have to ask. Because and this we is we won.
1: Wait, no, wait—is your question? Did Duck Jesus come, and are the people of Duck World saved?
0: No, my question is, what's the pun uh, of Duck Hitler? <laughs>
2: uh
4: Adath oh
2: Hitler. Adath <laughs> the foul solution. Oh God, oh. the Fowler. As I am like getting very
3: uncomfortable with all this. No, it,
2: it works because the final solution is a foul concept. It's terrible. <laughs> like, the concept of the final solution is atrocious. So, foul works in two ways because not only does foul mean bad, it also means terrible. Ellis Wiener yeah, no, was we, lazy we, we, enough we to understand.
0: just go with Duck World War II. I'm just going with A Duck Hitler.
2: <laughs> I, I prefer
1: the idea of Duck Adolf Hitler, that his name was Duck Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh god!
2: Would you kill baby duck Hitler <laughs> before he'd done anything wrong when he was just a an egg and he's just a hatchling? And why do you uh, eat eggs
4: now? Yeah, oh.
1: I I like that. Uh, one thing that I noticed here, anything. and I don't know, I don't think this this comes up in the movie, but like we, it has the thing with him sort of recoiling at horror at eggs, and then during the like a Hanson uh, ordering scene somebody orders a ham and egg sandwich, which, first of all, seems like a very odd
2: sandwich. Dude, egg sandwiches e- are delicious. Ham, egg, and cheese on a croissant is one of the classic egg sandwich combinations.
0: Uh, uh, you have, right, to, you yeah, have no. to think about it more in the context of breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, I okay. had one today. One's your
1: but the follow up is to order a turkey and sandwich, which omelet? does not seem like it solves the problem.
2: Nope. It's still a very foul solution.
1: If anything else, it's probably worse to eat a turkey than it is to eat Wait, eggs.
2: Turkey aren't foul. No. Water, foul, right? Foul are water birds, right? Chickens are foul. Are, are, are they? Okay, yeah. Turkey, so. Are they? Is I don't it know. ducks, turkey, and chickens? Are those foul? I mean, duck is what definitely foul.
4: Well, Can it what do eat I mean
2: stuff? fowl or water birds? We're not eating flamingos, I don't think. What else are water birds? Seagulls. Uh, all right. Well, hey, chickens do uh, a
1: Gallinaceus. Now,
2: chickens in turkey are no. fowl,
1: aren't they? I don't know how to pronounce this word. Kept for its eggs and flesh, or roots does fowl are in just hand. mean
2: birds that we eat? Oh, fowl wow. is fiendish
3: organization essentially, it just means domesticated
1: larceny. birds. Yeah, mm-hmm. essentially, just means. I, I didn't hear what birds. you said,
3: Patrick. I said fowl is the fiendish organization for world larceny. They're right, the bad enough. guys in Ducktales and Darkwing Duck. Everyone, oh, well, I,
5: was like, yeah, uh, I was I was
3: going are.
1: to. I was like, I, I don't know where that's from, but I'm going to put good money on it being Darkwing Duck. It, it's
3: the it Darkwing Duck, and they're the, they're the season three villain for the new Ducktales.
2: Uh, I to see the new Ducktales. You text. do?
3: It's mag- It's it's very good. Like it's, it's all really, on, really it's good. All on I have
2: Disney never Plus. Seen Darkwing Duck because the I still Disney need to get Disney, Disney Plus. Watched was on network television. It consisted of Gummy Bears, Ducktales, uh, Chippendales and Rescue
3: Rangers and Tailspin. I've got good news for you. They're all in the new DuckTales, and I'm not joking. Have you heard the good news about
2: DuckTales? Are they
4: all on
3: Disney Uh, Plus? Wait, Gummy Bears
2: are in the new DuckTales?
3: Yes. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) Holy shit. It's (laughs) actually...
1: Uh, sh- shut up! I'm going to unplug from this, I'm going to go subscribe to Disney plus so I can watch all of Ducktales.
0: Both, both, yeah. well, Bester, it's better than that. <laughs> this segment of the podcast brought to you by the Walt Disney Corporation. Um, both the well, new Ducktales. To be
1: fair, to be fair, Stefan, we have been carrying water for the Walt Disney Corporation for quite a while now. I think the it's entire true. time. I'm pretty sure that they Marvel's been owned by Disney the entire yes,
2: time we've been reporting. Um, uh, no, uh, b- both the uh, new Ducktales uh, and the classic Ducktales are yes, on. Disney yes. Plus. Since Marvel has been owned by Disney since before Iron Man, right? was it no. Iron Man the the first? No, shortly. Wait, no. wait a minute. I, I thought the they... MCU began when Disney was making no, the Marvel the first movies.
1: The first couple, the first couple uh, Marvel movies are not uh, MCU movies are not. I think couple, they may couple have couple been bought.
0: Yeah. Uh, Walt Disney, acqui- uh, Walt Disney Company right. acquired Marvel Entertainment in 2009, which was the yep. year after Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. Wow.
2: Okay, I knew that the Incredible Hulk was produced and, before and, the merger. And, and was Thor, only at that MCU point, film.
3: Thor and Iron Man, a Captain America and Iron Man 2 would have already been in. At least. In pre- yeah. I had, yeah. I had, yeah. I had somehow that had been
2: lost to me in the mists of time. Mm-hmm. Uh because I must have known that at some point, yeah. but I'd completely forgotten uh, and they instead uh, merged the whole concept of the MCU with the purchase by Disney. Because that's uh, when they were able to. And make it wasn't it even moves.
3: considered that big a purchase at the time, because you know Warner Brothers already owned DC, and mm-hmm. it just sort of like, yeah. a, eh, why not? No one I would. No one realized the juggernaut it was going to grow into. Yeah,
1: I would also recommend if you're interested in this, uh, the uh, scholar Derek Johnson has a piece talking about sort of this brief period of. The pre-Disney MCU and like the independent hmm. production of these Marvel movies. Can we give him chance. as a guest
2: on this podcast?
3: Mm, probably, maybe. Perhaps.
2: I I have met him. I kind of know him, but probably I mean, not. How many podcasts do you think that he is invited to? I, speak on as I an do. On I am I am
1: assigning his book media franchising for my course, and he has an entire chapter on uh, X Men in here.
2: I mean, I feel like. I mean, what what
3: would we, we'd be inviting we you to do be invited to, to get talk about? To talk Tower about a deck? bad Marvel movie with this. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: who who is this? S- Sagan again. Derek uh, Johnson. D- D- Derek name?
1: Johnson. He's at Wisconsin, uh, hmm. Madison, uh, and
3: podcast uh, law dictates there can only be one Derek, though. Does
1: does yeah. Derek know him?
3: Almost uh, yeah, certainly almost life. certainly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, I mean he was in it. He was in like the. Uh, this is getting real in the weeds. Wait. But Derek, the the Wisconsin uh, department this has like a cinema a cinema
2: in the weeds.
1: <laughs> anyway. So Derek was in the like me- film studies branch of that department our Derek. at Whitcott. Yes, yes, our Derek was at it was in the film studies branch of that department. Whereas Derek Johnson is working in the media studies branch of that department. Ah. So are almost certainly, slightly different. so
2: they've definitely never
5: met. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, it's hey, hey, way hey.
2: too big up there at UWM.
5: He's yeah. a kitty.
3: I miss Madison. Do you want? To- do we want to talk about? Does anyone have anything else to say about Howard the Duck of the book?
2: Um, uh, sure, I got some. I got some I notes here. But one... okay, so my favorite, probably my favorite Howard pun, is when someone gestures Howard word. Yes,
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, that is good. Um, uh, although, if he had more confidence in his pun, he would have like just been like Howard. Like if he had uh, italicized the word part of Howard. Anyway, yeah. Uh,
2: Anyway, more confidence I, in the reader, at least.
1: Yeah, more confidence than that. I would say one thing I found really interesting is again, you know, the this is, you know, ninety-five percent uh the same as uh what we see on the screen. The things that are, you know, obviously wiener inserted um digressions are pretty obvious. But you do see some like slight changes, so I think it's got it's got to be the case that the uh, the original ending, the screenplay ending, is that the dark o- uh, overlord of the universe turns into a Howard the Duck fact. Yeah, template. that's got to have yeah. been in the original script. Um, yeah.
0: Instead, he's a big scorpion thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, which I. Uh... That, that it's, there's not a lot to talk about there like it doesn't take that long to, to deal. oh that also includes another sort of moment of like I don't know what's going on this is just what's in the script where he's listing off like a bunch of things uh, and at the bottom of the page it says an axe and an advanced physics
4: lab
2: oh yeah that's a classic uh,
1: this thing's ridiculous we'll How- just Howard acknowledge did not it and did, move on Howard did not waste time with plausibility inquiries
2: uh, I never heard such bullpucky one trucker said he was not an individual about whom it could be said that he was alive to nuance. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and there's one more quote in here that I had written down with a page number. Uh, let's see, let's...
4: Again,
1: I have to say like what we, de- what we described <laughs> earlier as, uh, as sort of uh, Wiener's pitch for the uh, sequel to Howard the duck, like this is like, Filzy and Uh, Howard's adventures in the plane. So that's my favorite. It's incredible.
2: It's so funny. As more the kind of like idle daydream where like you, some of this felt like it may be the the writer Ellis Weiner working out things that he had observed about his own life and was uh, embarrassed about. So he inserted them as a ridiculous thing that Howard. Are you arguing that this is Ellis (laughs) Weiner's experience? I would never that would, argue that, but I would argue that it's influenced by his experience because that's true of every writer, obviously. That would explain
1: uh, <laughs> that would explain the weird hot tub uh, brothel thing, which does not exist oh, in the real world and is still here. <laughs> Ellis Wiener must have uh, worked in one and wanted to talk about it.
2: I, uh, so uh, I'll just say this, this uh, one other thing. After uh, Beverly was wandering off on one of her fanciful mind meanderings, the <laughs> beautiful sentence... The heat and energy radiated by Jennings' body must have altered the air in the cab. She had been slipping into the sort of fanciful mind meanderings that normally preceded either sleep or asphyxiation.
1: <laughs> yes. There's a, uh, one of my other favorite sentences, and this is one that is like, works on the page, but it's probably impossible to read. At the beginning of chapter 13, uh, he was starting to remind her of Animal, the Muppet maniac chained to <laughs> his drum set, who spoke in monosyllables and ate whatever came within range. But this was no children's puppet show. This was, M-dash, at least it seemed, parentheses, to the extent that she could tell still what was real, close parentheses, real, real, M-dash, real.
2: (laughs) Yes, that was fantastic.
1: Oh, and then the next line is, how real was it? It was so real. Jennings, rev the engine.
2: (laughs) This was, at least it seemed, to the extent that she could still tell what was real, real. Real.
0: (laughs) It happened with a bang, Dash, a sudden, violent explosion in which the strong force, parentheses, which held the nucleus together, and parentheses, blew up a member of the police force, parentheses, which held the civilization together, and
2: parentheses. (laughs) Oh, can I mention, last last time we were talking about his incredible... Uh, definition for the word gloaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, we also, we I don't also remember that. What about, was his definition of gloaming? It, it was the dictionary definition of gloaming, oh, but he inserted yeah. it because it was the kind of word that would be used. Oh was yeah, and the like But yeah, yeah. when, when was? You know, I think I don't remember whether we talked about it on the part that Stefan will actually include in the recording for our publication, but uh, or release rather. Was uh, it in the first or last thirty minutes weird, of the conversation? I don't know. uh how many odd coincidences there were between me and reading The Dark Tower, but mm. I went back <laughs> to finish the coda of The Dark Tower, and he uses the word gloaming.
0: <laughs> Stephen King has read the adaptation of Howard the Duck. <laughs>
2: that is that is some
3: <laughs> dizzy level
1: uh, uh, confluence.
0: Here. Yeah. yeah, synchronicity. I'm oh, just man.
3: saying. That, wait, there's a there is a connected Stephen King greater universe, and there's a greater oh, connected Marvel I mean, we universe.
4: Live in it.
3: <laughs> What if these two universes are intersecting over the word gloaming, Doctor Doom? Mm-hmm. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is, Randall Flag is the bad big bad for the next Marvel universe. Randall hey, Flag.
2: Do you guys think that Jean, yeah. Jean? That was a weird way to Jean, Jean Favreau, <laughs> Jean Favreau
4: <laughs> is. uh, No, it's
2: obviously French, so maybe I'm like just automatically Favreau. doing that. Jean, Jean Favreau. Favreau. Gerard <laughs> de Baudu. Oh, 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 first of all. Uh, that John Favreau oh, is, going to be the, is going to become the Kevin Feige of the uh, the SWCU.
3: I would have this conversation after we've uh, cut off.
2: Before. I mean, not professionally, but just like based on his success with The Mandalorian. Uh,
3: I repeat uh, myself. This favorite. is a digression. I, sorry, yeah.
2: we I mean, do not allow digressions on this we podcast. Need to, we need to C, stop promoting Disney Oscar nominations. Uh, what? Was right. I wasn't listening over the sound of me yelling. I said we, we should stop promoting
1: Disney.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you want to stop the podcast? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: or only talk about Howard the Duck from now on. I, I wouldn't say that we should stop or start promoting anything. We should just ramble incoherently I think, like we I have think we should, And that way I the think, people know that they can trust us.
1: I think we should restart
2: supporting blue e-cigarettes. Mm. Oh. I don't know. Have you heard about the popcorn lung?
0: Have you heard the good news?
1: That's, that's vicious That's vicious anti-blue uh, e-cigarette uh, uh, was it propaganda. Dorff that did that? Yeah. was yeah. it Stephen Dorff. No. I believe it was no. because of Blade. Whoever the bad guy in Blade was is the reason yeah, we started. Yep. I started talking about blue e-cigarettes. Yes. yes.
2: And now Stephen Dorff has had a uh, uh, career resurgence thanks to True Detective Season 3.
4: Well, oh, I shouldn't really? say
2: resurgent. He's been a working actor consistently almost his entire life. Also, I yeah, thought but, True uh, Detective
0: his... Season 3 kind of came and went.
2: Oh, I mean, I think that the performances in it were well regarded by all. Oh, um, no, I'm I'm, the, I'm not impugning
0: the... it as a, a piece was of art. Was that heart? the one I'm with
1: just... Mahershala in it? Yeah, I'm oh, just, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm just saying that, one, that like the oh, first season of True it's Detective w- had some cultural cash, and then the second and third one I do not remember having nearly. Oh,
2: no, I think Season 3 was was not well-regarded in the same way as season one, but I think that it was, uh, well, people got excited was, about it again.
3: Season yeah. two was regarded lowest of all, I know.
2: Oh, yes, that's because, uh, well, I mean, my personal theory not being involved in anything, uh, at all, professionally, is, uh, that, that clearly the season, first season was a was a conjoined product of uh, the, the combined genius of two, I don't want to say auteurs, because this is this podcast, but, you know, like, two people who are really good at what they're fucking doing. Uh, Nick Pizzoletto writing an incredible work and is it Carrie Jojin Fukunawa? uh yes. directing consistently uh, with a coherent vision and season I I gather that there were some ego headbutting during season one. So Carrie Jojin Fukunaga was like, peace I'm out. And Nick Pizzoletto was left to like try and make his vision for season two work after he I'm out in the weeds here. What I'm saying is season two was written too quickly and didn't have a unified director. And probably Nick Pizzoletto thought way too well of himself and didn't acknowledge that Carrie Church in Bukunaga had a huge part of season one. And then he learned some lessons and came back and did season three in a way that was good. Yeah, season I would also not, still
1: working.
0: Also,
2: I, did, I didn't yes, see season amazing. two, so I have no opinion I, whatsoever. Yeah, I've never
1: seen season two or three. season two is not
2: tight. It has some very good, interesting ideas that are similar to season one, but is not tight. I, does, I, I have
5: do have no the, idea Do the
1: later do the later seasons continue to like thread in odd uh,
2: Lovecraftian uh, references? I think that season 2 contains a lot of very similar uh, metaphysical elements but that he deliberately does not have any of the detectives in that season interested in the subject so none of them pursue it. It's just ah. a background thing.
1: Okay. I I can see why you would do that just like so, so so as not to repeat yourself. It was like we're not going to yeah. have the they, they use, time of the flat circle sort of stuff again. Yeah,
2: Santa Muerta exists in the world, but none of the characters dwell on it. It's just something that, like, is a background right. motif. Spanish for dead Santa, right? Uh, I, I think, yes, actually. I made a very similar uh, pun to that recently where someone posted a very goth Christmas tree that had a skull on top, and it looked like like a black robe around the tree. And I was like, oh, Santa Muerta Claus. <laughs> Or the Baba Duke, uh, Baba Duke tree. The Baba Duck, I think, is the name of the, the film <laughs> in this world.
1: <laughs> or the duck's favorite movie was not, was the Baba Duck. <laughs> and duck you sucker!
2: <laughs> a controversial a, choice for his favorite, Sergio Duck a, a web full of dynamite.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's a hard, it's a webbed hard, foot it's foot. a large yeah. Sergio oh, Leone film to fist? find, well, and but like he really enjoys it. Like it's doing some interesting things involving the Mexican Revolution. The good, the, the goose, quack, the bad, and the ugly. Suck. Ah, the goose, the, the goose, the bad, and the
0: ugly is better. I said the good,
1: the quack, and the ugly, but the goose, the bad. I the mean, is better. those are not mutually exclusive. There's a lot of like multiple puns happening at once. In that those case, happen. the goose, the
3: quack, and the duckling. How about ah. the goose, the quack, and the fowl? Yes. Duck Kramer, Duck Kramer versus
2: Duck Kramer.
0: Once upon a time in Duck America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, excuse me, it's the un it's the United Drakes.
2: <laughs> Teenage mutant quack foo turtles.
4: <laughs> the X
3: Fowls. <laughs> uh, ah, mm. uh
1: Ducky the Vampire Slayer. Ooh. I was I
3: actually just me trying me. to think of a buffy one when you said that. That was impressive. Right. It was it
2: was downy, that. the uh
3: down, da- 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 I
2: don't. Know. D- Downey. Abbey. D- Downey sounded like a duck's name because, like Doctor Who is too obvious. do it.
4: Charlotte's Web. Web? Call David Defoot. Defoot. <laughs> <laughs> Defoot. <laughs> My webbed foot. My webbed foot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Duck Fraser. <laughs> just called Duck Fraser. Yeah.
1: Duck Fraser. Sure. <laughs> they the spin off to duck cheers <laughs> yes. twin,
3: beaks. twin beaks ooh yep yeah, yep yeah.
4: twin beaks <laughs> fantastic don't worry it's not Battlestar battle right. star ducklactica we've run out of ideas Iron duck <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't know duck,
4: presidents? Captain think like duck man-
3: america think like a man thing ooh <laughs> deep cut there yeah
1: Still one of my oh. favorite things we ever did.
3: Yes. Well, uh, I still the Duck I, and the Man thing. I, I still didn't love have my, a lot of yeah. crossover.
1: Yeah. I still love my idea for the uh the man thing uh, uh Air Force One style yep. movie where Creole uh terrorists uh, bring down the uh, the president's plane in yep. a swamp and the president played by um uh oh god uh Harrison Ford. No, Snake Buskin. Uh Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell uh and, it's a sequel to uh, executive yeah. decision. Yeah, and that's why and, sw- and Man Thing fight back to back against the Creole terrorists.
0: I'm glad I'm glad that we're reminiscing about our own podcast, but uh I mean we're doing
1: no. like we're doing the third or fourth year of Howard the Duck. That's this is Touché. all deep navel gazing.
0: I yeah. Oh man. I think my my Man Thing pitch was uh the <laughs> one where he ran for Congress.
5: Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was called Citizen
0: Thing. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, the senator that he was
2: running against was played by George Went.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember that.
2: Legend uh. of the Guardians, The Fowls of Gaul. Wow.
0: That's a deep cut. Uh. Uh.
1: Uh. 30 Rock Pigeon.
2: <laughs> rock Dove? Rock Dove? Oh, Duck yeah, rock Parks dove. and Recreation. Oh,
4: yeah. Uh, Welcome uh, to the Rock Dove. Oh, mac you piece of shit. I should have known. Web mac West Wing. Oh <laughs> that's good. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jos- uh, starring uh, the President Josiah Bucklett. Bucklet. Bucklet.
3: <laughs> William F. Duckley. William
1: <laughs> F. Duckley Jr., thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>
3: Ducktails. A- <laughs> That d- that dumb name should not be as funny as it is, and yet here we are. Yep. Oh yeah, wait, no, hurry the on, wait, wait, wait—the Malladorian. Mm. Yes.
1: And again, again, I think that that weird William, that weird throwaway William F. Buckley joke. Like there, there's a lot to unpack here about what this man's personal politics are. I think. All right. The so people uh, versus Barry
2: like Finch
5: <laughs> Mallard of interest.
1: Oh. Mallard at 1600.
3: Three Days of the Condor. <laughs> Rise
4: of the Phoenix. <laughs> Pink Flamingos. The
2: Birdcage. <laughs>
4: the Birdcage. <laughs> ma- they make that joke. There's a Lecage Cage of Falls joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there is. is. I forgot about that. Yeah. Ah, uh, say, okay. hmm. Fly away, home. Fly away home. I mean that 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 even gets us the ultralight uh, uh mm-hmm. thing in there. The mighty yeah. humans.
1: <laughs> the mighty humans. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's just a just a uh, a human's face <laughs> on the chest of
4: the jersey. <laughs> I'm pretty but, proud. Of I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Um. Uh, uh,
1: but also like I'm just thinking like I thought about this uh at one point cuz like there's a point where Howard like recognizes what like our planet's ducks look like and recognizes them as being ducks. Yes. But um, like for that to like for, and like he seems to understand that we are hairless apes so there Wears. must be some amount there must be some amount of apes there but like I would imagine like if you like if on Duck World you went what would a you know a sentient ape look like it would probably look like It would still look like a, a gorilla or a chimpanzee or whatever it was. It looked like. I was just sort of thinking about that. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a human face, it would be a chimp face and it would be uh, uh, on that like cartoony hockey uh, body. If if God had intended for ducks to fly, he wouldn't have taken
3: away our wings.
4: <laughs>
3: Speaking of which, uh,
4: another show that crossed over with Duck Frazier, Wings. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh. Frazier goes off off of Netflix in January first. So
3: I've been watching a lot of Frazier. Mm.
0: Oh, where's it going?
3: I don't know. Uh, I don't know who owns who it. I don't
1: know who who does own Frazier.
3: Um, I think Paramount. That could be. The, I mean, they're We're all going,
1: CBS All Access.
3: It's it's all going Frasier to go was back. An
1: NBC. Good. Well, yeah, it's, it was it, well, like production company is what we need yeah. uh, here.
3: Yeah, I mean they're they're all, they're all being pulled back to their production companies from Netflix. Mm, it's just kind yeah. of
4: what things are happening. Paramount. Now. Paramount. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Star Quack. Star Quack. Next generation.
2: Can anyone give me an Angelina Jolie duck pun for the movie Quackers? I was just. I think you just, <laughs> nailed, I think you just nailed it. Well, I I did know. Quackers what, no.
3: starring Angelina?
2: <laughs> Angelina, you know, uh, as opposed to. Andrew... What's uh, is, isn't cracker? What's what's the Marx Brothers crackers? Animal crackers.
3: Duck soup. Animal
2: cr- animal <laughs> crackers. <laughs> duck That's soup. That's it. Duck soup. Ah, damn it. There's <laughs> human soup.
3: It's human soup, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, human primate soup. soup. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, I would say the primate duckula. Heads in a duffel bag. Duck I would say Ducula, but there's already a character called Ducula. Yeah. Mm. Yes. The wolf duck
1: Mm. Bl- Blackula, but it's just a black duckula in that in that universe.
3: Black duckula.
0: <laughs> I love. Um. I was listening to uh, another podcast where they were talking about the duck. Mighty grouse. They were talking about the duck. <laughs> wow. Talking about the Ducktales game. Pheasantville. <laughs> and <laughs> that's good. The the two things that they that were pertinent to this conversation. Well, here in Pheasant Danger. Well, that's good. Um. <laughs> Uh, one was that uh, the final boss of the game is Count Dracula Duck, because they couldn't call him Duckula because someone else owned the race to Duckula. And the second thing that they brought up was how lazy it was that the final boss of the game was Count Dracula Duck, because they, first of all, Transylvania is a level in the game, and they (laughs) send you back to Transylvania after you've completed all other levels. And then they make you fight Dracula, but they did make you do it the first time. And they just had this image of okay, they're getting to the end of production on the game, deadlines are looming. Oh shit, uh, what do we do now? Uh, I don't know. Send it back to Transylvania. Uh, okay, who do they? I don't know. They fight Dracula. Just ship the fucking
3: game. I mean, the t- in their defense, the problem is that flintard Glomgold is not a really interesting person to fight. In a movie. <laughs> take
4: that back.
3: <laughs> yes, the chicken
2: well, I mean, the dead.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> They could have just gone the Shinobi route and just fucking put Godzilla and Batman in the in the game White's clearances, be
4: damned.
3: The uh, waddling dead. Hang on, the waddling dead.
4: Uh Oh. Mm.
3: Uh, do we have anything else to say about uh, the no, book aside from have just nothing else to just say talking. about the book? Do we want to like do a quick wrap up and then like just uh, keep doing this? Good book. I best book.
2: That listeners read the book. Um, it's actually it.
3: very good, listeners. I really actually cannot yeah, recommend Also, them. I like I legit read it. The, digre- right after the
1: digressions are great. Yeah, the the, the, yeah. the digressions are great. You know, the the stuff that isn't the digressions is you know, if you've seen the movie, the stuff pretty with a couple of exceptions, like the fact that there's like the show off with the pseudo duck, the pseudo mm. Howard the Duck uh. thing, like. But ninety percent of what's in the movie is in here. But yeah, the the digressions, the stuff like what dude uh, read uh, earlier. The you know the section on pop culture that influenced him stuff like that it's fantastic the whole section about uh, what is the name Jeff Goldblum or whatever Gold... it was not Jeff Goldblum Grossback Grossback Gross Grossback Gross Gross, Gross just sort of like his weird like uh, you know skeezy ambitions and like he sees uh, Jeff uh, Jeffing uh, Jenning, Jenny. Uh, Jenning <laughs> Jenny uh like crack over the uh, the uh, nuclear power plant and he's like this is my chance to be a PR legend is (laughs) so weird, but also yes.
0: Uh, This is is a great
4: book. I love this book. uh, Yeah. I mean, the, the, if you've seen the film,
2: then it accurately like portrays what happens on screen, but the, the sort of the journalism of reporting what is in the screenplay is by far the, the less interesting. Half of the book, and it's not just the digressions. Like sometimes his sentence structures, or the way that he circuitously reports what is happening, or he'll describe the effects of something before explaining what the action was. Hmm. Uh, Yes, I I find very appealing. It's a Uh, well-written book. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) He'll report everyone's reaction and then report the the thing that you would see immediately if it were happening on screen. And the prose he builds attention that way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, was it, I think it was Duge earlier described like what this, what the writing process probably was like plugging in everything that was in the screenplay Mm -hmm. and then sort of writing out from there. Uh, And yeah, some of it is just like, I'm going to insert like three pages here. That's entirely new, but yeah, there's a lot of points where it's just like, you get that sort of moment of interiority from Howard or Beverly or the narrator has something to add in between the dialogue and yeah, it, it goes a long way, and you get, you know, some just wonderful, absurdist bits like this. The whole, the whole like, five-page-long sequence of ordering stuff from Hansen, where by the end they're debating whether or not the Christian Science Monitor is a good newspaper. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it's great. Oh my god. I it's really good. It it's a really good paper.
2: Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting uh, that the book is copyrighted to Marvel Comics Group uh, and not to the author. Uh, I don't know how that's, that's common. Works. Yeah. It, yeah, it that, seems this is probably work for hire, especially, given oh, yeah. you know, no, Marvel. Absolutely. but, uh, it's just, this... it, uh, it, it's interesting to me, uh, thinking about the repercussions for the author of having written this book and perhaps why we haven't seen other novelizations of films from him. Uh, I, the other, I the other thing in his bibliography that I oh, yeah. thought seemed relevant to me was, uh, he did a a muppet book like a behind the scenes muppet book that is supposedly i think it's the great muppet caper that's yeah. the the storybook of the book or something that's oh, uh, yeah. written as if it's uh, behind the scenes of the the great muppet the caper film. the
1: making of the masterpiece which wikipedia describes as a mock behind the scenes book about the film mm-hmm. the great muppet caper
2: yeah I almost got it for Stefan for Christmas, but then I found a better gift for him.
1: Uh, he also apparently wrote uh, National Lampoon's Dune, spelled D O O N, mm-hmm. which is clearly a a uh, parody of Dune.
4: Oh,
2: that
1: makes sense.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to kind of talk to what you said, dude. Um, you, I mean, everything out here is work for hire. Um, but th- that's that's very standard in terms of novelizations. I don't think it would have been like yeah. They, 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 you, if you're, if you're playing with somebody else's characters, they, you know, you are not getting copyright.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me. I just, uh, I, I noted it when I looked at the, uh, the copyright to find out what year it was from. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if I open up any, you know, any novelization of something that is based on a larger work and it's not copyrighted to the author. But like when you, when you read like a Dungeons and Dragons novel or a Star Wars novel or something. I I assume that it's usually copyrighted to the author of that. No,
3: no but you think a,
2: you think no. none of the extended universe.
3: No, okay, absolutely not. not. Those okay.
2: are all. Absolutely okay. not. Those you, are all. Okay, you you don't give
0: rights to intellectual property like that to. No.
2: Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. I mean, not. and that that makes sense, but I guess uh, I don't know. It's just disappointing.
4: I mean, it, 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 it,
3: you do get. Um, so just. So you do get into weird areas, particularly with Star Wars, is a very good example. Um, and here I'm specifically thinking of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, who yeah, I was, was, say, was
2: Timothy Zahn? Zahn created Thrawn.
3: Zahn created him. Yeah. I don't legally; he probably doesn't own it. However, probably due to the way it's it probably I, I, this is getting because I don't know. I don't know nearly as much about literary IP law as I do about film IP law, mm-hmm. but. If you create a, let's say you you writing you're writing for a television show, and this is the only sort of basic comparison I have. Wait back um, in ten seconds. <clears> throat> I'll throat> wait for him because this yeah, is because you're directed at him. Yeah,
4: uh, I,
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Zon maybe had better rights than some of the other uh, EU authors, just because you know he was so instrumental in like he, the success I mean, of the he, EU and he uh, starting the EU. Yeah, He probably has a better deal than, you know, Aaron Alston or A.C. Crispin or, you know. Yeah,
3: I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a cut when Star Wars Rebels introduced Thrawn. Does he at uh, least get,
0: like, a credit like Thrawn created by? Probably. Uh, Maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, copyright, depends how good it
3: Lucasfilm. Yeah, oh, it yeah, depends yeah. On how good his agent is. But anyway, so here's here's the comparison that I know. Um, let's say you're writing for a television show and you create a a one-off character who and that act and the actor who plays that one-off character? Whoa, never mind. Uh, don't worry. I didn't just drop something.
2: Are we talking no. about uh, Neil Gaiman creating a medieval spawn or Angela. Or are we
1: talking about uh, Paris from Voyager? I was going to. I was going to.
2: I was going to use the
0: comparison of uh, Kevin McClory creating Blofeld or being involved in the creation of Blofeld.
3: That's actually. So that's actually. So actually, Tom Paris from Voyager is actually a really great example because the reason they did. The, I mean, the act—it's the same actor, and he's basically playing the same character. The reason—the they, the main reason—I mean, the, sort of the creative reason given—is that the guy in in the that he played in the next gen was such an asshole they didn't want to go back and reuse him. Uh, but the the real reason is that if they had gone back, they would have had to give that writer of that episode a cut for every single episode of Voyager, and that would have been very expensive. Um, yeah. So if you create a character who kind of just blows up, and no one expected it to be blown up. Um. Then you get you get paid whenever that character gets used again. So, for example, uh, if you to, to go back to Frasier, um, I don't think the person who originally created Frasier is the executive producer of Frasier, but they just got a cut for every episode of Frasier. It was okay for Frasier because Frasier ran for 11, for a gajillion seasons and made them boatloads of dollars, so they were fine with it. But you know, that's that's or actually one boat,
2: boat. if it's a very large boat.
3: A very mm-hmm. large boat. Yeah, boat. I don't want like to judge big... the size of these boats. Like yeah, but it also, was like one of those big super containers. Also,
1: I would I would bet that, you know, yeah, the guy the guy who wrote the episode of Cheers that introduced Frasier probably got a decent cut, but like he's not a billionaire because of uh, I mean no um, one out here's a Fraser. Millionaire. no he's probably not a millionaire.
2: He's you know, probably just and, uh, you know he actually probably is. I don't know. Well, anyway. Assuming that he actually gets
3: it. A cut for creating that. Yeah, because there's
1: writing also writing. there's also you know Hollywood accounting sorts of things. Uh, I no,
3: don't no, know. no. But he he I mean, probably he, g- genuinely the character. Got creative, cut on the gross, not on the
2: cut on the net. Wouldn't each of net. be
3: up to the specifics of the contract, though,
2: and the law, and the quality of the person who's writing the contract?
3: We all have a basic minimum, though. Remember, all all all. If you're a TV writer, In the guild the floor the floor hits the guild minimum, and the and the guild minimum okay. includes those character those character clauses. Mm. So. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, a lot of the other stuff is argued, but there's a baseline set by the Writers Guild, and okay. you know the the studios break that at their own peril.
5: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, mm. so the mm. short
3: version is, I I don't know how that would work for literary. So I don't know if Zon gets a cut every time they bring up Thrawn. Um. You know, you you will notice they're going out of their way to not reference any of the legend stuff. I think the only one they did yeah. reference is Thrawn, and that's because Thrawn is so fucking popular. Yeah, They, and, like, knew they couldn't.
1: Yeah, but no. also, and this is actually weirdly a thing I write about
3: in my dissertation, but, like,
1: the version of Thrawn that they have there, it's, like, it's not, like, everything that involved Thrawn is now suddenly canon. It's just right. that they've established that a character, character named Character created by... Yeah, they've established that a character named Thrawn that has a somewhat similar personality to the pre-existing Thrawn also exists in this continuity, but mm. you know,
4: it's it's sort of a piecemeal canonization. Mm. So, so. Thrawn. Mithran Nuru Thrawn. Odo.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: M-I-T-T Thrawn. apostrophe
1: H-R-A-N Oh wait, no. Apostrophe N. Mm. Where's the apostrophe? Damn you! N-apostrophe O-D-O, I think. Mithran Nuru Odo. Oh, no? I forgot the Uru.
3: Does Duck World Mandalorian, or as we are now calling it Maladalorian, have a tiny baby green Yoda duck? <laughs>
4: That's, uh, that's a Yodeling? That, that's, a Yodeling?
3: That's the end of this
5: podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yes. See you next uh. year where we play an RPG Howard by the <laughs> Apocalypse.